Hey, this is Ryan Estes, and you're listening to Awaken Nation with Brad Salas. A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zalas, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors, and the game changers. Everyday people, just like you and me, from all over, who are doing amazing things. Welcome to Awakened Nation. Ryan, how's it going, man? Hey, Brad. It's going really good, man. It's good to be here. You're kind of looking like Keanu Reeves today. What's going on with the... Yeah, man, that's the that's the uh, the pandemic uh, look, right? So, yeah. Uh, I just yeah, the, the hair's going long, and I figured the beard would go with it. So, you damn hippie, as my father would say. <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least for the time being, probably for the rest of this year, that's for sure. Oh my God, yeah. Um, now you're in uh, downtown Minneapolis, one of my favorite places, by the way. Uh, how how are you surviving down there? You know what? Good. I honestly, um, all things considered, I'm pretty fortunate. Um, I'm COVID free. I just actually got the test, and um, you know, we, it's a, a Minnesota summer is a great place to, you know, it's a great place to kind of hole up and be. Um, we spend a lot of time on the water, get outside. We've got a great parks and recreation system. Yeah. So even downtown, I live kind of right on the edge of the city, a block off the Mississippi River. Oh wow. There's a yeah. There's a lot of opportunity for recreation, time on the water, and uh, it's it's been strange for me. This is the probably the longest stretch of time I've I've been stationary without traveling in 20 years. So it's, yeah. it's only a new experience. For those of you who are listening who don't know, uh, if you're a keynote speaker, um, you're on a plane a lot. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, and, last uh, year, last year I probably lived about a third of my life. Uh, in hotel so well, yeah just you know, what, a, what a dramatic we i did maybe events last year well over you know whatever 150 days of travel with some project work in there too and and uh you know this is just so different it is uh i don't know about you but when i have to fly a lot for gigs uh I force myself to act like a giant child because otherwise you'll be like another flight you know <laughs> so i'm playing with the you know, the, the window shades and I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, cause if you don't, you know, keep your mindset a certain way, you're, you're just going to go stir crazy because it's, Oh, this is the 80th flight this year. Yeah. It's very much mindset. I mean, I just would kind of get into a, a real routine of, you know, listening to podcasts, writing on planes on my laptop, doing some work. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, I think, you know, staying healthy is a big challenge just from a, physically you know trying to get good rest and exercise and eat right just those kind of when you're t different time zones sleeping in different beds three or you know three yeah. nights three cities three nights in a row three different hotel rooms that, that kind of wear you out a little bit so the, re the recovery protocols as I've gotten a little older are, are pretty pretty imperative too this this is physically this is probably the best I've felt in in a, in a while just wow um, I'm in a routine now, yeah. uh, a very disciplined one, and it, 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 my body has responded well. So it's been a nice recovery period for me in some way. Wow. Well, this is going to be a great episode, my friends. Uh, who, you know, because Ryan, I've, I've watched your career for years. I've watched you go through 
this transition of getting into breath work and yoga and all this other stuff. And Jane Atkinson, our mutual friend, can't uh, yeah. t- uh, talk enough about you. So uh, let me introduce you to our audience. Ryan Estes has more than 20 years of experience as a top performing sales professional and leader. As the former chief strategy officer for the McCann World Group Advertising Agency, NAS, he brings a fresh perspective to business events. As a keynote speaker, Ryan is known for his innovative ideas on leading change, improving sales effectiveness, and preparing for the future of work. He was recently recognized as one of the best keynote speakers ever heard by Meetings and Conventions magazine alongside Tony Robbins, Bill Gates, Colin Powell, and Mike Ditka. And by the way, I can attest, you're amazing on stage. Uh, uh, It's just, um, you know what it is? It's conversation and it's highly interactive. And not too many keynote speakers are comfortable with jumping off the stage (laughs) and really getting in there with the audience, which is one of my favorite things to do. But let me, let me continue. Ryan delivers keynote speeches, courses, and online learning with an emphasis on actionable content designed to elevate business performance. His curriculum emphasizes emerging trends, influencing leadership effectiveness, sales performance, and customer experience. Ryan helps participants prepare to thrive in today's ultra-competitive, hyper-connected business environment. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the rest in your bio, but welcome to the show, Ryan. Great to be here, Brad. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for yeah, having me. You bet, man. So let's go back in time a little bit. And um, really the premise of the show, we, we like to go where you fell down, where you gave it a shot, and then re- your resilience kicked in. But you were a strategist, and you want to explain to people what that is? Yeah. So, you know, my corporate career, I, I, I worked in advertising and communications, came up on the account side of the business. Um, so, you know, started in entry level sales and then kind of grew into uh, a strategy role. So, you know, we were guiding clients on their communication strategy and I had a team that I was responsible for. And, um, and, and a part of that responsibility included major, major accounts acquisition. So I was always doing new development for for the agency but yeah it was a combination of kind of overseeing our go-to-market strategy our competitive positioning our value proposition and then and then interfacing with key accounts and and working on major business development pitches so that was the that was the kind of combined role in addition to sitting on our executive team and kind of guiding the overarching strategy of the business Wow. Well, I was more on the uh, design and the, the layout side. And I remember I was in Pittsburgh. I graduated from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh and I got an interview with Ketchum McLeod and Grove. And, you know, you go into this high rise and I'm a kid from a small town. So I'm like, oh, oh man, you know, and then uh, I got a chance to go to New York and do some interviews as well. And so I was, um, you know, I went to places like Lintus and, uh, you know, I went into McCann as well. I met some legends, but I didn't want to be in that bullpen, man. I just, it's, uh, uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta I, mean, I, I don't blame you. No, I, I started my career in advertising with a small, a small privately owned, owned agency, family owned business. And we were acquired by Interpublic and rolled into McCann. And so that, and, and it was a great experience for me. I mean, I, I got some phenomenal training, right? I got, 
I got to work, you know, travel and work internationally. And it was just, it, it expanded my perspective and I think my skill set and gave me some exposure and also taught me some things about what I liked and what I didn't like, the difference between working for a privately held business and a publicly traded company. And yeah. so that, that kind of exposure, I think, was, was beneficial and relevant to what I'm doing now. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, people crack up. It's like uh, everything you've done in your career and your life adds up to this moment in time where only you can deliver that. Only you. You know, so I want to talk about this because you made this decision to quit that all and become a, a keynote speaker. And that wasn't easy in the beginning. No, it was. And I think, um, you know, timing is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I made my decision uh, to exit uh, corporate life in January of 2009. So if you reflect back on that period of time, 2008, the Great Recession hit. It was certainly catastrophic for the advertising industry. Our agency was no exception. We were caught flat-footed, um, made, a, made a series of decisions that, from my perspective, weren't in the long-term best interest of that business. And then I just, you know, at the end of that year, at the end of 2008, I was at a real inflection point. When we came back after a little break um, in January, I just saw the writing on the wall. We were going to go through uh, additional rounds of layoffs, and from my perspective, that was going to damage the business um, permanently and and I, I didn't want to spend the sweet spot of my career running a mediocre agency sideways and I just wasn't up for it anymore so you know I I, uh, I my departure my departure although I had thought about it previously speaking my, my department because it was part of my job I would speak at trade shows and conferences really promote the business that's how I kind of got into it and I love doing it and I was right. getting at it and getting invited to these conferences but as an executive it was it was industry specific uh and then when you know when in that moment of truth uh i just said you know what i'm out and uh, i'm gonna go pursue this thing and experiment and explore and you know i gave myself a window of time and yeah the first two years were really really difficult um i made mistakes and the timing wasn't right and i got into a bad partnership and yeah. but um i was able to stay the course navigate all of those twists and turns and here i am today a decade later navigating the next navigating the next crisis i know it's crazy uh in this modern world what's next uh we've had covid-19 next is uh uh who knows we're gonna have something but i i heard they were they're gonna replicate dinosaurs now no, that's a joke i'm just <laughs> there's always something on the horizon now it's like oh okay look you I gotta expect, you gotta I expect think, curveballs I, I would have never expected this i mean i yeah. you know being in the you know kind of uh in the events industry um and a big you know primary driver of our revenue stream is keynote speaking the live event business i did 80 80 events in 2019 and the idea that we wouldn't be able uh, to gather. Just it's something that I could have yeah. never expected. And so, but you, you, you adapt and pivot and adjust and move through it. Yeah, I think, I think that's the key. And um, I'm a baby boomer. And uh, I know you've done some research into the generational issues. Um, boomers have, our, our brains were trained actually to hoard knowledge and just sit here with it and go, okay, I got the goods now. And now you're being forced to say, let that go every couple of weeks, every couple of months, there's a new way of doing it. There's, it's almost like a software update in your brain every two weeks. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to handle sometimes. It really is. Well, I, 
I, I think I think it's hard. It's been hard to handle for everybody, and, and particularly because the uncertainty continues. And so, yeah. but, but you, you raise a good point, I think, and, and it's related to the future of work, this idea of, of learning agility, of our willingness to get uncomfortable, to continue to adapt, to really, really disrupt ourselves before the marketplace or competition does it for us. So I always right. try and, I always try and conduct experiments in my business. And the goal of the experiment necessarily isn't necessarily a big outcome, but it's to stay in that learning lane and to continue to iterate the business forward. And so I just think right. that innate curiosity, that willingness to experiment, to take intelligent risks, it's critical, particularly for, for any small business owner. Right. Well, what, I, what I've been impressed with you is, um, you know, sometimes that, that little experiment turns into loyalty, maybe not a direct revenue stream that you can measure, but you were talking about your how you, you have like six steps for when a client comes in. And that's a unique sort of way of handling it. And if you're the only person doing that in a market where it's like, hey, oh, okay, when do you want me to, to start speaking? You know, instead you have a process. You go, okay, what's your pain points? You go through that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that process? Because I think um, that is what makes you not only incredibly unique, but it turns a, a, your speaking career into speaking business. Well, you know, I, I and, and so thank you. Uh, and process, discipline, I, and I, I'll just give credit. We talked a little bit about my background. That just comes from my McCann days. They, they had a five-step process called the demand chain. It was about demand creation. And I thought, okay, you know, that worked really well. Clients embraced it, adopted our language. Um, you know, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was helpful for onboarding a client. And so I just replicated that playbook for this new business. And we have the Ryan Estes experience and you know, my team and I, when we engage, and, and that's the first touch point from the first point of contact to po post-event or post-engagement delivery, we actually have an aftercare program that lasts for 12 months after the event. So, it, and it's not just delivered by me. I've got, I've got two, two people that are supporting me that, that are, are supporting our, our client experience, but we're all focused on elevating and delivering this. And, and I think it lends itself to a high degree of, of customization, personalization. And we've just become obsessed about this idea of delivering world-class client experience. And of course that leads to better relationships, referrals, repeat business, all of the things that have helped us drive growth. So we've grown this business 10 consecutive years. And I think that process discipline and commitment to client experience is a big reason why. Now, we're, we're not going to grow top line in 2020. We're in a pandemic. But, um, I, you know, th those relationships and that referral business have been critical to enabling us to sustain ourselves through this. A lot of clients are using us for virtual events and we, we've engaged in some pretty exciting consulting work, and so that's that's part of the reason why I think we're weathering the storm well. Yeah, I'm friends with Donna St. Louis, and she's like booked like ten events in the past two weeks that are just virtual, and I'm like, wow, yeah. So people need this. I've emceed a few of these live events. Uh, it's just a transfer of your skill set to the the bigger lean forward screen. Well, that's exactly right. And I, you know, I, I tell, tell our, our little team here, just, you know, yeah, keep, you know, 
we have to view our business, we're in the expert in education business. And, you know, my expertise is in sales and leadership. That's my background. And, you know, we're, we're, corporate, we're a corporate education company. I always say a research and learning company is how I positioned it. Right. And, and now the medium is just different. While we can't gather live, um, it doesn't mean that our clients don't need support and, uh, and ideas for how to grow their business or navigate this crisis. And we've got a lot of experience in that. And, and so we're just going to, the medium for delivery is just different. So we've got two big events next week and they're just going to be virtual. And that's great. I love your storytelling abilities. Uh, and folks, if, you, if you've never seen Ryan speak, just um, go on LinkedIn, look for his uh, Prepare for Impact uh, episodes and also just um, look up uh, the perfect cup of coffee, which uh, is one of my favorite stories. You want to talk about that a little bit? Because I think I met her. It depends on where. Did you where, really? Okay. I forget where it was, but she was, oh my, she went bent over backwards. Hey, sweetie, you know, blah, blah, blah. What do you want? Come back. You know, I hope to see you when you come back. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> right. What happened? Yeah. That's... I was like, I had so much love. <laughs> I want to come back. <laughs> well, the you know the the story uh, originates on Christmas Eve in the Minneapolis airport, and so I was I was heading back to Ohio to visit family, and uh, I had a little time to kill, so I got a latte at Starbucks and just was blown away by the kind of connection that the barista made with me, and so I you know as I just kind of stood there in the airport, I decided to go back and talk to her a little bit. And, you know, famously, she explained to me that she wasn't serving coffee. She was pouring happiness. And I, I just was so moved by her story in that moment um, that I decided to retell it a little bit. And over the years, we developed a relationship. And, you know, that story, is, I guess it's become a bit of a signature story in my keynote speaking. But uh, it was really interesting. Uh, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, Goldcast, the platform Goldcast reached out. And they said, hey, we love your we love your story on YouTube and we, we'd like to, you know, share it on our platform, you know, produce the video goalcast style. And I said, oh, great. You know, I'd love more people to meet Lily and get the message. She's pretty special. Right. And it's really her, you know, I, I always say it's just been my privilege to shine a spotlight on her. It's, it's about her. It's yeah. not me. And so um, I said, the more people that could meet Lily and understand the, you know, the ethos of pouring happiness, in my opinion, the better. So please spread, spread the love. And, and they did. And I think it's, it's up to 65 million views or something crazy, <laughs> crazy like that. And yeah, and she, she got inducted into the, the Minneapolis Airport Customer Service Hall of Fame. Wow. And I, I went and did an event and she there and she came and, and it was a beautiful moment. We brought a photographer, we got a bunch of uh, pictures and she stood up and we both got really emotional. It's just, it's been a pretty special what? journey over the years to, to, and, and, you know, every time I go to the airport, I check to see if she's there. So it's been great. And, and hundreds of people just from the story moving around, have gone through the airport and taken a selfie with her and then tagged me in it. And so it's, it's kind of fun how it's worked out. That's incredible. That's when a story takes on a life of its own. Uh, kind of life of its own. One, of, one of my favorite shows was uh, Undercover Boss. And I wish more you know, executives and managers understood this, but they, um, hold on a second. I live right by a highway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out. Um, 
I wish more executives and managers and bosses kind of knew this. And uh, this episode of Undercover Boss was uh, 7-Eleven. And the CEO couldn't figure out why this one Long Island 7-Eleven in the middle of nowhere was doing like $4 million in coffee sales. Don't quote me, folks, but he, he showed up undercover and it was this one woman who knew everybody's order. And she hustled and she goes, hey, good morning, Brad. How you doing? I, I got your coffee ready. She knew everybody's order. Like, it was already up here. And she was constantly, if you, as you know, when you're at 7-Eleven, the, the urn's empty quickly. And she, she just was on every urn, cleaning the counters, saying hello to everybody, um, just working her magic. And uh, he was so touched by this. Not only, her, evidently her daughter was sick, had leukemia or something, and he just gave bonuses and donated money to, to help her. And um, it's that simple, man. It really is that simple. And, and I know these people are only making maybe a little bit above minimum wage. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, it, it, you know, there, there's just a, a, a brilliant lesson around that. I mean, I think part of, part of the Lily's story, it's, you know, she makes a conscious choice about how she's going to decide to show up no matter what, you know, it's, and it's like, I, when I'm talking about it, I, I always tell people, you know, you, you can imagine most people would rather be anywhere else on Christmas Eve than at an airport serving coffee, but not her. And it's, it's this conscious choice to, to decide how you show up and, 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 and really look at each moment, each one of these interact, because you think most of the people that Lily meets, she's never going to see it. Right. And, um, you know, she, she just, the, the presence she has in each moment with each customer, um, she makes you feel special and it's, and it has an impact and, and look, people are creatures of habit and talk about a Seven Eleven, and I know I'm this way here in my neighborhood, you know, I have my spots and, and part of that is based on the connection and the relationships and the people. And so I always tell from a leadership perspective, put people first, man, performance and profitability follow. That's my first chapter in my book, liquid leadership. You got to put people first. I mean, it's, it's not the guy at the top. It's the person on the front line. If you give them a power and autonomy to, to, to do as they, they can and train them right, I think it's incredible uh, what the outcome is. And I, I want to say this about you. You know, this is, this is an idea that just popped up while we're talking. You know, you watch the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And you sit there and, and you don't know the impact you personally also have in this world. You know, it's, it's sort of a, it's a two-way street on many levels. And I'm sure people have told you, thank goodness Ryan is here, or thank goodness, you know, you, you are here to help us through this. And, and so I, I feel like, you know, as, okay, we're going to get, we're going to get metaphysical here a little bit, um, but as soul, you know, as a loving being and doing what you do, um, you're touching lives as well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's my why. Uh, and, you know, b both my parents were school teachers. I, I probably have a little bit of that gene in me, my classroom. <laughs> A little different, but yeah, you know what you're what you're talking about is something that I actually refer to as exponential impact. And so, we, you know, my Sunday newsletter is called "Prepare for Impact." Impact is a big focus. It's the reason we right. do this. 
And, you know, I keep a, I keep a folder, of, uh, an impact folder in my outlook um, of just stories, people that have reached out after an event or after some time have, has gone on and, and taken our time together and done something with it. And I always, I always reinforce my team, that's why we're doing this. And it isn't necessarily one-to-one, but it's, it's, it's the woman who was in my audience, who was in, in dental school, and she was on the verge of quitting, but decided that day not to quit. And then it's the picture on graduation day with her parents and, and the note with the picture that says, you know, thank you for inspiring me. I was in a dark place. I was ready to give up and I didn't. And I just wanted to show you the outcome of this. And, and it's, it's those, th- and then, you know, and then she's going to go on and do something extraordinary with her life and, and have this ripple effect in the world. And so it's, it is that idea of exponential impact that I think is, is the precious gift and the role that we get to play in the world. And the more that we can have, from my perspective, better servants we've been. You said it. Boom. That's like, a, we should do something dramatic after that. Because it's like, that, that's the essence of leadership to me. It's like, uh, I, I would say leader, leadership, leadership isn't a job. It's a responsibility. And it's not yeah. about... It's not about us. It's about helping other people achieve the best they're capable of being. So it is about impact. Yeah. It's supporting on many levels the soft skills, the the touchy-feely stuff, so the person can, you know, get out there and and really go to the next level. Because you can always tell a company where the the leadership is supporting each individual. You can feel it. Sure, the soft skills are actually becoming the hard skills, but they're becoming the skills that differentiate one team from another. We all have access to, you know, the, the same technology and information is everywhere and ideas are ubiquitous and, and, and you know, things are moving at, you know, at the speed of light. What is, what is the differentiator? And it, and it becomes these softer things, culture, teamwork, collaboration, commitment, engagement, loyalty, discretionary effort or, you know, um, psychological safety, the things that leaders cultivate, create, create an environment where people actually exceed their own expectations of what they thought was possible. And that's what drives a business forward, particularly in a competitive marketplace. What's the difference? Right. Really, what's the difference between one ad agency and another? Really? Really. It's true. So true. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm going to ask you this. This will be fun. What uh, should we know about you that uh, nobody knows about Ryan Estes? (laughs) (laughs) This is a thinking man show. (laughs) You know, uh, gosh, what, 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 what could I tell you that, that no, that nobody knows? I mean, I've been pretty public about my life. So I feel like, uh, no, I'm allergic to cashews and pistachios. Would that help with the? I don't know if that's nailed that, it. Nailed it. We emotional, <laughs> emotional construct. But I, honestly, I mean, I you know, I feel like you know some of the and, and you talked about this kind of my my journey. Um, I feel like I've been pretty pretty forthright and, and candid in sharing 
you know, my own, my own setbacks and change journey and my evolution, um, you know, both, both as a leader yeah. and, a, and a person, you know, I, I had a huge setback in my life in 2015, 16, and that set me down a new course where I, cool. I started to explore. I would, it was kind of a spiritual awakening and, and I think that yeah. changed forever. Let's, uh, do you want to share that? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, you know, outwardly, uh, things looked pretty good in 2015. That was the year where my speaking business exploded. And so I, prior to that, I was, it was kind of a hybrid business where I was doing consulting and, and speaking and training. But really that 2015 keynote speaking business took off. Um, did just some right. things happened and I, I got on the radar screen of some, you know, some booking agents. And, and so the business was exploding. Our fee was going up. The deal, the, the, you know, I was in demand and I was saying yes to everything. And at, at the end of that year, while, you know, we had a growth year in the business, I was just very depleted personally. Um, and I, I, you know, I didn't make all the best choices. Uh, so I had a, a significant relationship in my life that was, that was coming to an end. And as that was ending and I was just physically exhausted, I had a big health scare. I had a, had a tumor in my left bicep. They thought it was cancer and ended up not being. But that, that going through kind of that period of time, I was like, wow, you know, this is everything that I thought I wanted and yet I'm suffering. And that led me down this other path to explore, I guess, um, you know, my inner world. And I, I think prior to that, I, I was constructed very much from the outside in. You know, I was kind of looking for the achievement and validation and growth, like so many small business owners and entrepreneurs are. That was my kind of measuring stick. Right. And, and really reconfiguring that and starting to work on myself from the inside out was a, was a dramatic shift. And, and, you know, to me, that's work that's never done. But I always say the best leaders are born from the inside out. Leadership is an inside job. And so that inner work. Um, I think it, it's been critical to both my growth as a professional, a person, and I think what I'll call my sustainability. Um, and so my, my identity is probably less attached to those outcomes. Like even, even in this, people are like, oh my God, your business. I'm like, you know what, I'm fine. This is going to be great. <laughs> we're going to write a book and we're going to do virtual events. We're going to learn a bunch about technology and and explore some other kinds of work with our clients. And we're going to come out of this on the other side better than we were before. You know, this is what you and I have in common. Um, I remember when I moved to New York City, I um, realized I was a seeker my entire life. And I hit it, you know. I could play the game better than anybody else. I can walk in. Do you know how awesome I am? Yeah, who gives a crap? And then uh, you go through a couple of outer things that jar you, you know, like me, I got a divorce and uh, moved out here. So I've looked at my life uh, along the way and it is always doing this work. It never ends. It truly never ends. But you're right. The more you go inward, the more you work on your stuff, your shadow work, as they call it, and you deal with these things, it's the weirdest thing, but relationships get sweeter and better. Um, business actually elevates, um, and it, and it's not it's not for the purpose of money. It's just you're serving your clients better at a different level. Like I mean, I mean, it's it's really much deeper. You know, I I don't know about you, but the more you do that work, when a company calls you, you you actually can see 
where the pain points are and what's causing it probably faster than you used to. Yeah, I mean, shadow work is, it's, you know, it's, it's where we heal and transform. We heal and transform, you know, we, we bring that with us where, wherever we go. You know, my, the, the beginning of what I would call inner work for me, I, I was a bit naive in my approach. I said, okay, well, I went to that retreat. I, I did a little therapy. I read these two books. I'm done. Like I checked that box <laughs> and I'm like, I'm good. I, I, I get it now. Cause, okay. Cause you're a goal setter. <laughs> I am. I'm like, yeah, I have to go do that. Done. You know, it's, in it, 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 I was very naive, and I think even even really over the last, I would say, you know, eighteen to twenty four months, I experienced a, what I would call a series of setbacks, and it reignited my commitment to doing deeper inner work. And and certainly, this moment of pause has given me the bandwidth and the space to to reengage and recommit to it in an entirely different way. And I, I, I can, I, I can feel the result. And so to your point, it's, you know, it's not about the destination or checking the box Our our you know, our, our kind of striving achievers mindset, if you're type A and that's how I was raised. And that's is so me. If you kind of put that aside a little bit and realize, Hey, this is work I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. It's part of my further journey. Wow. And and in doing the work, all of my work gets better, and my experience here gets better, and that is how you transcend suffering into something that ultimately is sustainable for you, but also has an impact on others. Right. Wow, that's powerful. I hope everybody's taking notes on this show because um, you know we're uh, we're approaching a lot of these Eastern philosophies with a Western attitude. And uh, I had Panache Desai on the show a couple of months ago. And wow. he said, and he said um, yeah, Brad, he goes, uh, I grew up with these values living in India. And then we moved to London and I tried to fit in, he said. And it's sort of the journey of soul. We all kind of do this. We try to fit in and then we realize it doesn't work. And uh, a lot of people say when you hit your 40s, that's when everything goes to hell and you're forced to deal with this stuff. Well, that, was, that was certainly true for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is powerful work, man, and uh, I really admire that you're doing it. You're also doing yoga too, huh? I do. So I uh, I haven't done uh, I haven't done as because because my studio closed, so I haven't done as much practice during the uh, the pandemic. Um, but to offset or augment that, I hired a I hired a personal trainer. So I've just been real committed to you know longevity and maintaining kind of my physical health and wellness because I think it I, I think that's you know I, I bring that level of energy to to the work that I do and it's it's become even a bigger priority through this. Look, you know, a lot force change, a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty. And, and maintaining health and wellness has been a critical component for navigating that. So I've actually upped the ante on, on that. And I do, I, I was, it's funny, just before this call, I was looking at classes, my yoga studio opened again. So you, you have to wear a mask to actually practice, but I am going to go back and do that. And I'm looking forward to it. That's wild. Yeah, yoga is a, an amazing discipline. Um, you know, I did the martial arts for a little while, and then I said to myself, why am I? doing this to get hit in the head <laughs> i need to i need to calm the hell down <laughs> and just sort of do some hot yoga or something but 
it's it's actually yoga is um, meditative practices put into the physical form, and exactly right. and, and so it it um, as you become more limber and you become you know more pliable and flexible, so does your mind. Um, yeah, you know it's it mind mind body still and just kind of the discipline just be present and be where you are and be focused on doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, it 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 creates that bit of discipline. Plus, it's good for the body. I mean, I think as you get older, obviously flexibility and yeah, sitting all day like this and looking into these screens and typing isn't great. We all know that. So you have to you know you have to move your body and. Um, and yoga has been, I've had some lower back issues. And if I'm practicing consistently, that's a non-issue. So it's, it's worth it. That's incredible. Yeah, I, uh, I found as I got older, I was never somebody who was an athlete as a kid. And so to shift your mindset into being completely different than, than your just innate nature, I think is, um, I guess it's just, you, you get to a certain point where you, you just stop I guess stop accepting a certain standard of life and living. Like for me, I remember I used to be late all the time. And then just one day I got up and never hit the snooze button ever again. Um, always showed up 10 minutes before a meeting. It just, it was just a shift. It, it was a weird thing that happened. Um, what? And that's how change happens. I think that's an important point for anybody that's listening. It, it happens, you know, there can be a lot of things, precursors that lead up. But there is a moment where people said, you know, I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. It's a line in the sand. You make a decision and a commitment to yourself. But that's it. Like, I'm not going to hit snooze again. Not another second. Not another day. And you'll get what you tolerate. And it, and it starts with you right? That's what you can control. Like you can't control a lot of the things that go on outside in the world, right? Control yourself. And that's why I think, you know, inner work and cultivating some of that discipline, it just gives us a better opportunity back to the coffee story of showing up as the best version of ourselves, no matter the circumstances. And, you know, that's, that's a gift if you, you can get yourself there. I think it's a matter of being aware of what are you running to this invisible, you know, goal that you've set? Is it a goal that you truly want? And it's it's all under the surface, you know. Sometimes it's subconscious. Sometimes it is conscious. But at the end of the day, you, you get off that treadmill. Like like my treadmill was, I got to make my dad proud of me. You know, I got to get his attention because my dad was Hungarian, first generation born here. He wasn't into touchy-feely soft skills, didn't say he was proud of me, he did it once. And so my whole existence has been on this treadmill and I finally stepped off and I said, oh my goodness, the energy I was wasting, <laughs> you know, uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You get to this point where you say, here's the line in the sand. And I'm letting go of that old me. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, no surprise. Um, the fatherhood uh, validation is something that you and I share. So I had a very, <laughs> very difficult relationship with my father. Uh, the bar, you know, was always too high. And it felt like I was never enough during his love and validation and acceptance. 
And that innately moves you into a striving achiever's mindset. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not enough or I'm, I'm not worthy of, of love. And so therefore I'm going to go out and achieve and strive and try to accomplish a bunch of things, you know, to elevate my worth, my value in, in the world. And, you know, while that drive, I think maybe even in your 20s or 30s, um, you know, it can move you to a certain place of achievement. At some point, you're going to run into um, an inner conflict, and if if that's your motivation, if they you you know, ex external achievement is my source of self worth, uh, is a very very you're setting yourself up for some pain, and and I and yeah. I got there. I'm sure you have too, and things go in your life sideways if that's what you're you're you know moving toward. And so I had to I had to examine that, and that to me is the shadow work or the inner work. I didn't even I wasn't even conscious of this, and I'll and I'll tell you for your listeners if this resonates with anyone. I went the, the beginning of my transformation was an eight day personal growth retreat called the Hoffman Process, which wow. is about about resolving some of those unhealed or unexamined childhood patterns that maybe are no longer serving us well. And that, that new awareness and new conditioning, and it was the beginning of my step in this other direction. That's powerful. You know, it, it takes a lot of guts to do this, and I still see grown men today who are reacting and angry and lashing out, and it's a simple process of letting dropping the ego stuff you know that we've we've all built up especially men i mean we have this thick masculine energy kind of stuff you drop that and you go inside and you go oh yeah that's crazy that i i've been doing that for you know half a century <laughs> you know it's like and many let it go times, many times unconsciously you know it's yeah. aware Awareness is the first step in the cycle of transformation. And so, you know, if you're, if, and, and you use the word courage, it does take some courage to set that down. It's like, gosh, that's my ego. And take off that mask and let people see who you are. And it's, it's look, you know, I, these are the things I, I, of course we struggle with this. Look how we were raised and, and you have a whole generation of guys that are actually use the word anger. Anger is just a shield for pain. If you're angry all yeah. the time, I, I can tell you what's beneath that anger is, is pain, low self-esteem, unhealed trauma, it, it, you know, and, 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 and it takes some guts to look at that and face yeah. it, deal with it. But, but that's the further journey. And on the other side of that work is a better way of you know, we get some gifts along the way uh, that are just amazing. Uh, I had Shea Hillenbrand on, and he talked about the father stuff too. He played for the Boston Red Sox and the Diamondbacks and all these big teams. Walked away from it right in the middle of it all and realized he was angry and lashing out and all this, and it was all father stuff, all because of one conversation that he had with his dad when he was like 11 or 12. And the pain that he shared, I just, you know, I think we're in a day and age where men are capable of, of showing that side of themselves. Uh, you know, we can be warriors and we can also be um, sharing of ourselves. It, it makes us better fathers. It makes us better partners, uh, lovers, um, you name it. I think that just going through that, that process of healing, healing that, and it's never 100% healed. You know, I still catch myself doing stupid stuff, <laughs> but, but at least I know the mechanical part of that 
why I'm doing it and I can correct it. And I can, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was being a jerk there. Um, yeah. And so do I, you know, those, those patterns are deeply entrenched. So it's easy to get triggered. It's easy to fall back into that way of being, but hopefully now, you know, you have awareness and language and some tools in the toolbox um, to, to deal with it or recognize if or when it's happening or if you get stuck in a rut or you get off course, you can pull yourself back. And so, to me, this is the way of the warrior. Uh, this, yeah. this is the work that's, that's worth doing. Because when you talk about exponential impact, it, 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 you know, in, in order to kind of, tra- you have to transcend yourself first in order to be to be your most authentic self and be able to impact others, you know the the right way. So I, yeah. to me, leadership is an inside out game, man. Yeah, I mean, you said it, man. It, it really is. I mean, it's it's facing uh, the dark side, the shadow side, the all that. Uh, I just did a Star Wars reference. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> um, no, I, you, I just I just finished a great great book. Um, that called Falling Upward by Father Richard Rohr. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful book. I think you'd love it too because it talks about kind of the, the, two, the, the two halves of a life. And, you know, it's first half of life, a lot of striving or achieving, but he talks a lot about shadow work and just really preparing ourselves to go on this further journey. And so many people get stuck in that place where they don't, they don't, afford themselves an opportunity to look at it, heal it, understand it, transcend it. And it limits their ability to kind of go on this, this further journey that he talks about. And, you know, the book was just powerful reinforcement for me that, yeah, this is the right way. So. That's the, uh, the Tao of Ryan Estes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going deep, man. I didn't, I didn't know that's where we were going to go there today, but I'm well, that's the premise of the show. This is the weird part. I've been on probably a hundred podcasts, either as a guest or a host, and they were mostly business podcasts. And it was always the same story. And uh, you know, it was great. I got a chance to share my dot com days experience creating one of the first dot com agencies, and um, so I loved it. But we never were able to go deep. So when I started Awaken Nation, I put this off for years. People go, "You got to have a podcast, man." And I'm like, eh, I don't feel right. If I'm not going deep, I don't want to waste people's time. And so Awaken Nation actually was birthed um, through a process that my business partner, Elizabeth Ann Hamilton, and I did. We sat down, we were whiteboarding the future, you know, the next five years. Like we knew what five years was going to look like. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know this, uh, I've named companies for people. I've broken down their marketing strategy. I've done all this stuff. We named... <laughs> awakened nation in like 20 minutes and had it fully laid out. I was like, that has never happened in my career. It's usually a month to name something and do a market analysis and all this. And finally we were just like, that resonates. And so this has always been a show where this is season three. We're wrapping up season three. This has always been the kind of show where like I've had Brian Smith on who founded Uggs. He created Uggs. Um, And he talked about actually getting kicked out of his own company that he had made, you know, famous and then yeah. having to earn his way back in. And, uh, we had, uh, Chris Salem on and he, he asked actually to be on the show. I said, well, if you're going to be on this show, you have to talk about your alcoholism. And he says, Oh yeah, we're going to talk about my alcoholism, my sex addiction, my, you know, uh, all of my addictions. And he's another one. His father drove him. Uh, and so this was 
this was the kind of show where I wanted to have a great conversation with like people like you, people who are out there at the forefront, uh, you know, changing lives. Uh, regular people, extraordinary conversations is really what it's about. So I'm so honored that you're on today's show, and I know our guests are getting some great value from this conversation. Well, I congratulations and thank you for what what you're doing, um, because I think I think conversations like this it, it does help the collective wake up, yeah. and and that that's really really valuable work. It's thank a privilege you. to be here. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, we've had some very interesting conversations. We've had leaders in the black conservative movement who aren't getting a platform to talk about things uh, as much these days. We've had people from the LGBTQ community explaining you know, what this is all about, uh, things like that. So I, I, I feel blessed and honored to be able to get those stories up and out and elevate it into a, a fun platform where they don't feel attacked and they can just share. No, it's phenomenal. Thanks. So I'm going to do a lightning round. We're going to ask you some questions, or I'm going to ask you some questions, uh, and we'll uh, that way our listeners get to know you. Um, first question: What pisses you off? Uh, pandemics. Because <laughs> <laughs> you seem zen-like, calm. I'm just like, so what pisses Ryan Estes off? No. I'll tell you, I get frustrated with all of the kind of politicizing of things and all of the division. Yeah. It, 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 it's very disheartening for me to see that, you know, it seems like everybody has an agenda and, you know, taking sides. Look, you know, we, we all need to come together and work for what's in the best interest of all of us. And, um, I, I, so I've, I've been, I've been deeply, deeply frustrated. And I, and I'll tell you, you know, you don't have to look look very far. You can just flip on the news to see just so many examples of egocentric, self-absorbed leadership. And so, yeah. and, that, and and you know, we're talking about exponential impact that that has exponential detrimental effects. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I just I have a pretty pretty hard time. Yeah, you and me. Um... It's yeah. It's been an it's been an exercise in patience and things like that. I'm not somebody who usually gets depressed, but the first two weeks of this, I was forced to face me, and that was a little depressing. That was a little rough, um, but I got into a routine. Like you were talking about, uh, you have to get into a routine, and so I started eating better. I actually came out here to heal. I'm in Vegas in the desert. I don't go to strip clubs and I don't go to casinos. Uh, I like a good. I like a good buffet, uh, and uh, I like a hike in the mountain, and uh, it's just exciting. Uh, my girlfriend loves to go hiking in, up in the mountain, so I really enjoy that. And it's really about getting healthy, both mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We're just on the same wavelength. I, I, I hit a wave of depression at the onset of this, too. It was so overwhelming for me, just... just kind of, you know, from, from I, my last event was March 11th. My birthday was March 13th, and when I woke, which was a Friday. Woke up that when I woke up that Monday, the next six weeks were spent deconstructing a year that we would work so hard to put together cancellations, reschedules. I, I just and and so I, I was just like, man, everything's falling apart. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, and, and, you know, and then my, my schedule, my routine totally disrupted. 
how am I going to be here at home and not go anywhere and not be in the action? Right. But the, the, the reset of that and saying, okay, I have choices to make here. So it, it took a minute though. It took a month for me to be like, all right, this, you need to get on a healthy track here. And what does that mean? And what does it look like? And I had to journal about it and write it down. And I didn't list support. And, and but man, I, I, I'm grateful I did those things. Like it sounds like you are too, because I think I've moved through this and I'm going to be better on the other side of it than I was. Yeah. People are saying they gained weight. I, I lost weight. I, I started to, uh, my last gig was with the United Negro College Fund Gala event. I'm the creative director every year. Uh, and so I flew back. It was like March 8th. That was it. And then everything shut down. I was supposed to do a live event here in uh, Las Vegas. And my business partner and I, we, we postponed it. And um, I realized uh, I just started sitting in an infrared sauna three times a, a day. I have it in the house. Um, started taking cold showers, cold baths, um, started doing, you know, the cold therapy because I was doing some research on that. Um, started standing on my head more. I do the five rites from the ancient book of the, um, the Fountain of Youth, the ancient secrets of the Fountain of Youth, and then um, work out. Uh, but here's my biggest thing that has helped is uh, I get up. And after I'm done with all that beginning of the day stuff, I go out and walk in the desert, go grab a cup of coffee somewhere, and then come back and write in a journal or meditate or do some grounding. I ground, I put my bare feet on the ground, my hands, because I work on a computer a lot, I got to reground my body. And so those disciplines have really helped me from going stir crazy, as they say, and go deeper inside. There it is. If, if every one of your listeners just follows your play, I don't need to say a word. They just follow that playbook. <laughs> I'm going to go read the Fountain Youth book and maybe <laughs> add a few things to my morning routine. But it is like routines and rituals are so important. And when those things are taken away or you're forced yeah. to change, shelter in place, you, you have to get yourself into a place where you have healthy, disciplined routines and rituals. And it's been my savior through this too. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to the point where I didn't know what day it was. Like I forgot it was Dang. Friday and I'm like, damn it, what's going on? So we, we have to have some sort of discipline because that's how our mind works. So yeah. Put it, I always say, you, you know, put it on the calendar. What gets scheduled gets done. And for me, you know, accountability is a big deal. So I, I you know, I, I work with a trainer. I'm in way better shape now than I was pre pre pandemic. Thank you, Carl. Um, but, but you know what, the fact that that's on the calendar at 7am this morning and I made a commitment and he's going to be there and I have to show up there and I'm paying him, all of those things lead to that result. And my yeah. whole day is better because I do that. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's a secret key. By the way, I was born on the 13th as well. Were you really? February. Okay. You got me by a month. That's crazy. Second question, what's your favorite album? You know, I'll tell you one that I always go back to. I'm such a big fan. Um, Pearl Jam 10, their first album. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of him. I'm a huge fan of the band, the writing, the fact that they've stayed together all these years. But, you yeah. know, I would, that music and that movement, uh, it really just... 
you know, I, I probably the young, angry, twenty-two-year-old version of me, and I just resonated deeply, yeah. and and uh, you know, it spoke to me in such a profound way. And, and uh, <laughs> I've been a huge fan of that man forever and ever. And so, if I was picking one, that would be at or near the top of my list. Well, it's very interesting because I, I accidentally became a generational expert. You know, I, I wanted to go into leadership, man. And then people were calling me up for generational stuff. And the first thing I point out, I, I point out why each generation acts the way they do. So then we can move on. <laughs> so now the data makes sense. You know what I mean? And one of the things I noticed was Gen X was raised on John Hughes films and the grunge movement. And they were the first latchkey kids. And they're coming home and they're just like, a little angst, a little anger. Uh, and like you said, in one of your speeches, it says, Gen X, we're the most frustrated out of the generations because we showed up on time, we wore the suit, we listened to everything boomers told us to do. And then my, the thing I always say is like, boomers are now tripping over the dead bodies of Gen X so that they can shake hands with millennials because they're afraid that they're going to leave as a group. And well, so you... you, you yeah, Nailed me, latchkey kid, a lot of angst, and, and you know, and, and he, you know, I think you could say whatever, Kurt Cobain, or there were a whole group of people that did, but he, you know, he had the fatherhood issues he wrote yeah. about, like, and, and so it was just, man, he was a voice, and I just, yeah. he's, I've always been a, live, they just put on a show, man, they are, knock you out, I'm a big what? fan. As a baby boomer, I was always very concerned that what's the next wave of music? So I was in New York City in the 80s when Madonna was running around doing her thing. So there, there is nothing like that. Like I ran into Debbie Harry in a club one night. You know, I mean, this is the kind of crazy stuff that would happen. So when the next generation came along, I said, well, what's their music going to be like? And when Pearl Jam came along, I went, that's it. I said, they're okay. They're going to be fine. You know, because when you hear Eddie Vedder's, you know, she lies until that gritty, you know, it's yeah. such a great combination um, that goes in there. And then I was concerned for my nephew being a millennial. Uh, what what band is he going to like? So I taught him Rush, you know, because I'm a big Rush fan. And my, I, first, my first live concert, Rush. Yeah, me too, 1981. Uh, but I, I got the 2112 album and I just went, whoa. So my nephew wanted to be a drummer, but he was learning on rock band. <laughs> so I said, you got to play all the Neil Peart stuff. Yeah, you're the real drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, um, I actually talked about that in my TED Talk. I, I talked about how he learned on a video game, and I learned in drumline, you know, in rain, sleet, and snow. Uh, but when you, when you see that each generation has their own angst, and millennials got Linkin Park as their band, I was like, yes, that was incredible. Uh, tour de force that brought together actually this is the funny part everything all genres uh, have been brought to bear in Lincoln Park whether it's rap grunge thrash metal it's it's all in there uh, so right. I can only listen to three songs before I'm really angry but but I really love them they're really good yeah so my last question for you Ryan what is your favorite memory? Take your time. Yeah. I mean, what a great, great. You know, 
I have some great memories of Christmas. And uh, I have this memory. I, I was a, you know, I was a kid and I got this. It's funny because I, I, I recalled this memory recently while, while doing some inner work. And I don't know why it stuck in my head, but I childhood memory of just Christmas Day and and I, I remember we got I got this toy these Star Trek walkie-talkies and I don't remember if I wanted them or asked I wasn't some big Star Trek buff but I remember just that I was so excited to get these and I just I loved that day the I don't know the the, the celebration the pageantry um, and, and just kind of the shared experiences and everybody seemed happy, which wasn't always the case in my house, but there was a day where, and so I just remember with those walkie talkies, my brother like being upstairs and me being downstairs and we could talk to each other. And I was just blown away that, you know, we were having this conversation and I was fascinated by that and the imagination. And, and it's, it's interesting, you know, my, you know, my mom still lives in the house we grew up in and, and the one time a year that my entire family is together is, is that day. And so it's something that I look forward to. I have fond memories of, and the rituals have changed, experiences have changed. Now there's nieces and nephews and all those kinds of things. But um, that day is a special day and a lot of fond memories. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Because uh, I got to tell you, it's Great. sort of, oh, thank you. Uh, it's one of those things where I started asking certain questions and I actually asked that by accident one day. And I find that it just, it, it takes you to this other level because we all have all these memories, but which one is the most important? Which one has impact? See how I did that? <laughs> impact. Very um, good. Yeah. I listened. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's uh, you know, we all have that one memory we obsess over. It's just either, either the negative one or the one where you're just shocked. You know, like that, that one day your dad did something that was so out of character and you realize, right. that guy loves me. <laughs> you know, uh, those little moments, I just think, those are the, the human experience. Um, they are. And when you're right. We all have them. Yeah. Ryan, thank you so much for being on Awakened Nation, my friend. It was my, my pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. Continued success, my friend. Thanks, brother. How do we get a hold of you? We go to ryanestes.com. Ryanestes.com. Yep. Everything kind of flows through there and pretty active presence on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. So feel free to have your, your listeners you know, hit us up if they want to catch the content. We share yep. a lot. Uh, get on Ryan's list. His newsletter is excellent. And uh, his prepare for impact videos. Uh, you are not only wise, my friend, but the strategies you lay out, they're not like made up. It's like these work. And that's what I love. You're welcome. Take care. Hey, everybody, tune in next week as we have another extraordinary guest and we're wrapping up season three. Um, thank you and take care. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you 
and see you next week.